Okay, good morning, Spirit Arising. Um, here we are with the power. I think I named it the power or empowered by the blood of Jesus. So this is the part two um, to this series. And, um, you know, I want to start because last week, of course, the computer crashed and the notes went down and whatever. So um, I kind of want to start with a little bit of a recap. I want to start with a recap, too, because you know, there's, there, there's a reason that when they teach you something, there's some repetition and some repeat because this, I, this has got to be so deep in our soul and our spirit and our mind and who we are. And so I want to just start talking again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in. I have 20 pages of notes. <laughs> so I don't, don't worry. I don't think you'll be here all day. But... It's so powerful. And, you know, I mean, I'm preparing for this, and, I mean, I'm just crying. I want, I want this. I don't, you know, I, I, as a, just, a, just a plain old person, I don't know how to get, like, what I see and what I know and what, I, what I've been given out of me and into you. And only the Holy Spirit can do that. And, you know, I don't feel like how can there be adequate words for this topic I do not have adequate words. There aren't words are not enough. Like I just don't, I'm overwhelmed by the magnitude of this and wanting to convey it as it is in my heart and soul. But, you know, you know we, we talk about the precious blood of Jesus, you know, and it's so, it's spoken so much that, um, you know, it just, I always say familiarity breeds contempt. So to take it out of the mundane and into what it really is, you know, to strip it back so that it is in us. And, you know, you, you, you know something's precious when you don't have it, right? I mean, you know, it, you, you can take things for granted. You know, you take water for granted until you don't have it or food. I mean, if any of you have ever done an extended fast, all of a sudden, like, you know, a piece of moldy bread you looks like magnificent, you know, or if any of you have ever had to go pee-pee really bad, all of a sudden the toilet is like the best thing in the world. I mean, if you are, you know, if something is precious, you know, um, when you, when, when it's, when there's not, when it's, there's a scarcity, you know, and there has never been a greater scarcity for anything in all of history then the blood of Jesus that would, um, that would do for us what it has done. There was nowhere else. There was no other means. There was no other hope. There was nothing. You know, and I ended last week by just reading a scripture, and he, they, said, they said that there was weeping in heaven because they said there's no one. There's no way to reconcile God with man, and the only way is a torturous death in hell, and there was weeping and, and crying in heaven, and then, you know, the lion stepped forward and said, I'll be the lamb. You know, and it started, he started out as a lion. I don't remember if I talked about that, but at the beginning of that scripture, it said he was the lion, and then you saw him as a, you know, tortured and, you know, murdered lamb. And so, you know, this, this blood... And I talked about the fact that it, it had to be blood. And I'm not going to go through all that, but it had to be blood and it had to be death because sin is so awful. And that's why it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a horrible thing when, when the church or when we minimize sin. 
You know, the blood of the lamb is not to minimize sin. It's to remove it and take it from us so that we don't operate in it. Um, but anyway, and, and, and just that, that, that is God's blood. That is God's blood. And I can't even fathom. And, you know, you think about when that blood touched the earth, when they pierced his side and the blood ran down the earth, it says when that blood, when that happened, the power of that blood, there was an earthquake. The power of that blood shook the whole earth. The sky went black. And dead people were resurrected. Hundreds of dead people who were devout believers were resurrected and walked around all over Jerusalem. The power of that blood hitting the earth, the whole earth shook and resurrection took place immediately because the purpose of the blood is resurrection. And godly people who had walked this earth were resurrected because that is the power of that blood touching this earth. And, of course, the veil was torn, which we're going to talk more about today. But, you know, the freedom, the life that comes from the blood, that came from the blood from the very first second that it touched the earth, you know, and, and for us to understand the power of the blood. And, and you know, I, this will be my last session on this, and I think that's why I have 20 pages of notes because I'm like, how do I put this in words so that we live in this power? Because when we're living in this power, because I can tell you when this, when I, when this happened, when I, when I and I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but it changed everything. And that is what I know I have been sent to do is to bring this in a different power. So, you know, we talked about the fact that, it, what is it, Isaiah 64, 6, it says our righteous deeds are filthy rags, filthy bloody rags before God. You know, the fact that somebody says, well, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. They're going to heaven because they're a good person. If you read at all in scripture, that is such an offense to the blood of Jesus. If we could be good enough, then our Savior never would have died. Why would he be tortured and died? Why would he, you know, to say that we can be good enough to earn it? You know, it is, it is offensive. It says, uh, Romans 3.10, there is no one righteous, not a single one. There is nothing powerful enough but the blood. It's the blood plus nothing. You know, and, and that's a really excruciatingly important part of this. The blood plus nothing. Not the blood plus your good works. Not the blood plus, you know, so often when we do bad things, and of course, I don't, I don't know if I've ever preached on this, but probably a lot of you know, there is, um, you know, conviction by the Holy Spirit when we do things that are, you know, not right to change our way. But guilt and condemnation that rests on our souls after we re- we repented, um, you know, the blood of Jesus means that our sin can never, ever again be counted against us. And I know that when this was becoming as real to me, when, when this becomes so real to you, you can't believe that it can't be counted against you. You can't believe, and you know that, that scripture, what is it, Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, it says no guilty verdict and no punishment. It's unbelievable. No guilty verdict, no punishment. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that. I'm just like, how can that be possible? That I, not only am I not guilty, but also 
I'm not punished because, because you think like you're supposed to live with this. Now, of course, that's not for everybody. That's only for those who have, have surrendered themselves completely to Christ and claim to his Lord and Savior and is walking with him, you know. But to think that there's no punishment, he took it. You know, that is the power of the blood. Um, and so to, to believe, to realize, to walk in that, and, and to get off of our own crosses. You know, we think that we have to somehow, you know, get up there and pay for it. And, and you know, the, the um, it's such an insult. There's so, we insult the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice when we do these things. You know, to get down off that cross. Like, how could you possibly, who do you think you are? Who do I think I am? That I'm going to pay for my sin. I'm going to add something to what Jesus did. I, my, my sacrifice is weightier than his, that he needs me to contribute to it. You know, it is unbelievable that we think that our, that, like, who do we think we are? That we're going to add, that we're going to self-punish. And we're going to live, we're, we're going to nullify the blood. We're going to weaken it. We're going to discard it. The sacrifice that he paid so that we never walk in guilt, we never walk in shame. And then we sit there and we put ourselves up on the cross. We walk around with our heads held down. And, we, and you know, when we focus on our past and when we say, I'm just not good enough and I'm not worthy and I'm not this and I'm not that, we we take that sacrifice and we trample it under our feet. We nullify its power. We make us and our sins and even how we feel, which, by the way, when we really, I'm going to get into this, but when we really live by the blood of Jesus, those feelings will not, will not exist anymore. We make that more powerful than the blood. It's a narcissism. It's a self-focus. It's focused on how bad I am and all I've done instead of what Jesus did and how powerful and great he is. And to say, to say, I will never, once I've repented of a thing, and we can't, we can't live in it, right? I mean, there's so many scriptures, so you can't abuse it. You can't say, I'm going to keep on this path, and I don't care what the Bible says. And I'm going to, I'm going to walk in this thing no matter what. And, and, you know, so, you know, God is God. I mean, he knows when we're playing games and manipulating him. But there's also things where we are stuck in something and we want to be free, but we fall. You know, as you're coming out of something, it's three steps forward and five steps back and two steps forward and one step back. And each time we're like, Lord Jesus, I don't, I I plead the blood of Jesus. I can't believe it. I did it again. I failed you again. Forgive me. And in that moment, there's not one second of guilt. There's not one second of shame. It's paid for. The punishment is paid for. It's unbelievable, the power of this blood. But see, we can't, the first step, you know, first base is getting out of the guilt and the shame because you can't help anybody. You, you don't even have your own oxygen mask on. All you can do is if you ever read Pilgrim's Progress, you know, you had that burden and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And all you could do, you're like the hunchback of Notre Dame, just trudging through life so focused on all your bad stuff and how bad you are and how you are and how you are and never on how Jesus is and never on how strong he is and never on what he did, you know. And so to, to know that it is the blood of Jesus plus nothing, 
not our good works, not us trying to help him out somehow, not, not a priest, you know, not, not last rites, not, not, you know, th- there's no human interaction. There's nothing more than the blood. There's, there's nothing, there's no penance. It is an offense to pay penance for something that Jesus paid such a high price for. You know, and so for us to get, first of all, to get, that's the very first step. It, it says in Hebrews 12 too, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. And nothing hinders more than us thinking about our past, focusing on what we're not, focusing on what we've done, focusing on, it is, it is a, it is a, it's an illusion actually. You know, Satan is the father of lies. It is an illusion. It's not truth. It's a lie. You know, the, the, it's a lie. It's an illusion. Those things don't exist. Once you've repented, just you and just Jesus, once you've repented, and it also says that if you sinned against somebody, you need to make it right. So, you know, there's that step too. If you've done, if you've, you know, lost your temper on your husband or whatever, you've got to go say you're sorry. You know, you've got to make those things right. But once you've done your part there, or if it's possible to do your sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes you have to, that's come and gone. You know, sometimes, I know some Christians who have gone back and tried to, like, apologize for things, and all they did was stir something up and hurt somebody more and open up wounds to make themselves free. You know, there's sometimes where it's just that has come and gone. You've made it right with God. You're not going to make it worse with that person by treading back on that situation. But, you know, to, to move forward. And so I wanted to cover that again. I want to cover that again because there's no, there's no other, like, if, if, if we get stuck on that, there's nowhere else to go. You stay stuck on that base forever. I do not know of a single person who's bound up in their own stuff and their own guilt and their own shame and their own, their own, their own inadequacies and what they're not. You know, it's crazy because God calls us to what we're not. I mean, God called me to do this speaking and to teach, and this is the thing I am not. Some people have the natural ability. I don't at all, not one bit, not one bit. I'm fully dependent on the Spirit. And he, so we can never say, well, I'm just not this, and I'm just not that, so I can't do that. It's never about what we are. It's just about being so confident in the power of the blood, so confident, so confident in that, what that does for us. And I'm going to talk more about what that does for us, that there is nothing we can't do if he calls us to it. There is nothing. There's no I can't, and there's, no, there's not a minute of our life that we won't live purposeful. Every minute of our life, every day of our life is purposeful. And you know what? Your purpose for that day might be to clean your house or to, you know, take care of a sick kid, or to, you know, cook a meal, or whatever. But it is the purpose, you, but you do it in the purpose and the power, and you no longer feel purposeless, and like what you're doing doesn't matter. Because when you live in the blood of Jesus, it's all purposeful, and it's all powerful. So, so the next thing the blood does is it, it brings us fellowship with God. And Ephesians 2, 12 through 13 says, Remember that time when you were separated from Christ, 
You are without hope. And if you have ever been separated from God, really, you really are hopeless. Without hope and without God in the world. And, you know, to, and, and that's, that's what we were, right? But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near to God by the blood of Jesus. We are near to God in this very moment, in this very moment. We are near to him. He is so near to, he is our breath. It says in scripture, he is our breath, he is our being. He is so near to us that we know he's in us. You can't get any nearer than the Holy Spirit. He is in us. He, is, he wants to be so near to us that he has consumed us. That's how near the blood of Jesus brought us. You know, the glory of God is behind that veil that I talked about. It split. And back in, in the whole Old Testament, which was several thousand years, back in the whole Old Testament, once a year, one priest could go into the presence of God. Once. One. And they had to be covered from head to toe in animal blood. I cannot even imagine the scene. I can't, I can't even fathom it. They were literally covered from there. It was a bloody, I mean, if you have read through the Old Testament, I try to read through the Bible every year. And I tell you, I, I, you know, it's tough on me to read all the blood and the, the animals that were killed and the, oh my gosh. And it shows you the gnarliness of, the, of sin. But they were covered, and then they would go into the presence of God, which is where we go every time we go in, we pray. Just when we prayed now, we were in, just as we're speaking now, we're in his presence. They would go into his presence, and they had to have a rope tied around their ankle and bells on the bottom of their robes because if they were struck dead, no one could go in and get them. They had to drag them out, and they had to know if they were struck dead because the bells would stop ringing. That is the awesomeness of the God who is with us right now. And by the way, Aaron, which you guys may know this, but Aaron, Moses' brother, the first priest was Moses and his sons. And both of his sons were struck dead and immediately. I mean, so priests were, this was a deadly job. To go into God's presence, not covered in the blood, not, not covered in the blood was deadly. Deadly. We don't understand the awesomeness because, because the power that's available to us when we go into his presence. But when Jesus died, that, that curtain that separated the wall, that separated us common people from the glory and the power of God, it split from the top down. That's why they knew it wasn't a person, right? It split. And, it's, and it, was the, it was the invitation into the holy of holies into the power, into his presence. And now he says, Iris, come to my home. Come into my father's house. Come and sit with me and my father. Come into our power. Come into our glory. Come into our presence. And the power of God, because of the blood of Jesus, is available to you right now. I don't know if we, and this is the part I'm trying to do, I want the power of what is available to us because of the blood. You know, 
people are like, okay, I have to get into God's presence, so I'm going to worship for hours, and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of wamp myself up. This is how you get into the presence of God. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus. I come into your presence because of the blood of Jesus. We are in his presence in a heartbeat. And once we're in his presence, listen, you want to sing. You want to sing. You want to rejoice. You want to worship. Because when you're in his presence, there is unlimited love, unbelievable love, a healing, you know, healing, not just for our bodies, but our minds, our emotions, our broken hearts. Uh, you know, when I first started coming into the power of my faith, I, 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 was, I really just had religion. I didn't understand the power of what I had. And that's what I'm trying, that's what I, that is what I want to do with the rest of my life, is bring the power to people who don't understand the power that's available to all of us. And it's interesting, I may have said this before, but I said to God, I'd love to go back and my, here my father is a college professor, giving, teaching people how to be, you know, um, ordained ministers. You know, I'd love to go back and become an ordained minister. And the Lord has said to me repeatedly, do not do it. Because I want people to see that a normal housewife can have the power of God, not because you got some special training or some special anything, just a regular, everyday woman can have the power because of the blood, because of faith in the blood, because of understanding the power of the blood, a normal, everyday woman can come in. When I first started understanding this power, a prophetic word was spoken to me. I walked into a place where no one knew me. And a man said to me, you are stuck in the spirit of mourning. There is a demonic spirit of mourning. There's a demonic spirit of depression. Anything. So God says, I have plans to prosper you, plans for good and not evil. Any thought we have that is other than prospering us not for good and not evil, unless it is God convicting us that we need to repent and then instantly we're washed clean and then we're back into all the good stuff, is from the demonic. Any negativity, and I was stuck in it, and I didn't understand, and I learned about the power of the blood of Jesus, and I was like, I plead the blood of Jesus over this mourning, this heartbreak I cannot heal myself from. I couldn't, I could only live in heartbreak. I couldn't heal my heart. I couldn't heal my mind. I couldn't heal my emotions. But there's no Christian who understands the power of the blood that will ever walk in depression. Once you get this, once you get this, you do not live in anxiety. You do not live in fear. You do not live in lowliness of spirit of, of how bad you are, but you live in the power of how great he is and what he offers us. It says in Hebrews 4.16, it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with boldness and confidence. We go so boldly and so confidently into his presence because of the blood of Jesus. We go in. We, we have a blood-bought right to be right in, in God's face. I just can't even believe it. To God bless you. To be right in God's face, I have a blood-bought right to be there. I, this, isn't, this isn't like crawling in on your belly. You know, I went to, Dave and I were in Spain, and the, uh, I forget the name of the, Anyway, it's this big, long, um, like, couple football fields long, and it's this uh, stone path. I don't really know how to describe it. But this whole long stone path, and 
back then, like 1600s, 1500s, before Martin Luther, you know, the priests thought that to be holy, they had to crawl on their bellies across this multiple football fields of, of stone and gravel and, you know, flog themselves to, you know, to, they, they, they came in like worms on their bellies. And they, and they crossed this to, to, to be worthy enough. And, you know, it was Martin Luther who said, no, you can't. What are you, what are you thinking? You're going to add? You're, gonna, you're not a worm. You're a blood-bought child. You, have the, you go straight before the throne with confidence and boldness, and you say, this is my request. These are the desires of my heart. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. You know, I mean, I, 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 would, I would hear, God cares about your needs, not your greeds. You know, don't ask for the things you really want. Just only ask for bread and water. You know, I, I had that mentality. Like, it's so greedy for me to, you know, Lisa wants a house. God cares about the desires and secret petitions of your heart. He cares. You go in with confidence and boldness. I plead the blood of Jesus. No, he won't give us things that are wrong for us. I've asked for things that were not right for me, and he didn't give it to me. So thank you, God. I can't tell you how many ex-boyfriends. I'm like, thank you, God. You know, and I'm sure they say the same. So, you know, but I mean, so, you know, but to think there's absolutely nothing that separates us, that the intimacy is so great between us and the Father and the Holy Spirit and Jesus because of the blood of Jesus. It says, um, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness and confidence, and there it is again, when we go to him, we go boldly. Not like, oh, I know I'm so bad, I don't deserve to be here, and I don't deserve to talk to you, and I blah, 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 blah. He's like, stop it. Stand up straight. Get up. Get up on your feet. I mean, we kneel in reverence, but not in unworthiness. You know, we, we are reverent, but we are not unworthy. Not because of us, but because of him. Because of the blood that, that it clothes us. It says that we are clothed in robes of righteousness, beautiful, elegant, righteous robes when we come before him. It's interesting. God cares about fashion. This has nothing to do with it. It's not in my notes. But, you know, over and over again, when people come into God's presence, they get a whole new outfit and a whole new look. And I love that because, I, I mean, he cares. He clothes us in beauty, it says, over and over again, with beauty for our ashes. He gives us everything beautiful and good. So here it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness and confidence to enter the Most High by the blood of Jesus. This line is over and over and over again in, in Scripture. We are bold. I mean, can you, can you grasp this? We are bold and confident to enter the most holy place, the place where people would get struck dead when they went even once a year, we are bold and confident when we go in there. By the blood of Jesus. It's unbelievable. And if we live in this power, and if we live in this truth, we will be powerful. It says, by a new and living way open to us through the curtain that was torn 
That is his body. And since we have a great priest, which is Christ, over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance. No second guessing how clean, good, worthy, anything we are. No more full assurance by faith. I have been put on this earth for a reason. The I am clean before God by the blood of Jesus, and in the name of Jesus Christ, I will fulfill my purpose, and no devil in hell can keep me from it. The full assurance, it says, that faith brings. You have to have faith in the blood of Jesus. You know, we've started this whole study by learning faith. Faith has to bring it. We had to learn the power of faith first before we could study the blood of Jesus because to just to just know about the blood of Jesus but not have the faith in it, it's powerless. But it's faith in the blood of Jesus. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope. This, our faith, it is hope. It is power. It is victory. It is overcoming. All because of the blood. It says, for he who promised is Faithful. He is faithful to us. This is for us. This is for us right this minute. For us. And you know what? We hear it and we think, uh-huh, that's for Tanya, that's for Sherry, or that's for Lisa, that's for Mom, or that's for Sarah, that's for Iris. And we can never think it's for us. And that's exactly what Satan wants you to do. Never have it be for you. Because it's worthless for you to believe it for somebody else. Until you believe it for you, you, now listen, once you believe it for you, then it's powerful to believe it for somebody else. But until you believe it for you, you're useless. You're useless to the kingdom of God. You're forfeiting the sacrifice and the power that God holds so dear. This is so relevant. Says Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Listen, when we go into his presence by the blood of Jesus, it is joy and it is pleasure. Jesus died so that we would have abundant life. It is joy. It is pleasure. It is power. It is everything. This is the cornerstone of everything. But we have to know how to operate in it. Um, The blood of Jesus makes peace available for those who trust in him. So peace with God, but peace on earth. Peace at all times, under all circumstances. It says Colossians 1.20, and through him to reconcile to himself, this is Jesus. So Jesus is saying, Jesus reconciled to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Peace on earth and in heaven. Nothing can steal your peace on this earth when you walk and operate in the power of the blood. It is a total assurance in every detail of our lives trusting him completely, relying on him completely, depending on him completely, committed to him completely. And that is where the peace comes. 
because we understand the power of the blood and how through the scripture says through the blood of Jesus shed on the cross he makes peace through everything on earth and heaven in our heart you know I think about all the things that each of us have relied on through the years that have absolutely failed us you know you think of the people who have failed you you think of relying on the job you think of family you think of a husband I'll tell you the person who has disappointed me most in my life is myself you know I am my greatest disappointment you know all the things that I've relied on my husband's job my you know and every one of them by the time you've lived a minute like we have it's all you realize there's nothing to rely on nothing to rely on other than the blood of Jesus other than what that did for us and then there's everything to rely on you know circumstances in our life change nothing stays the same things constantly change you know and it throws us off when something changes it throws us off it throws I mean these women that Sarah brought up today I mean you want to talk about being thrown off but the one thing that will not change not for them not for us not ever not ever is the power of the blood of Jesus I don't know if they fully I know they might they might know it but do they know it because I went through life knowing the facts but not living the power because I knew it but I didn't know it and we're going to talk about that um, but you know nothing when these things come you say I do not have to be weakened by this I do not have to be thrown off by this I do not I do not have to miss one minute's worth of sleep over this I can walk in peace Jesus loved me so much God loved me so much he that blood that split the earth that split the veil that resurrected the dead that shook the earth that blood has covered me and I'm covered in every situation I have the peace of God I'm going into his presence right now father I'm coming before you again by the blood of Jesus and you will you will turn this situation around for good because he says in Romans 8 28 all things work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose of course there's a qualifier but we qualify that's this is this is who we have chosen to be those who love him and live according to his purposes so um, all the blood of Jesus covers it all um, you know we pray that situation and we cannot be moved we have we put our faith in the blood of Jesus over a situation and of course you guys have heard me talk about my marriage so much and I've been through so many things I've been through so much I come back to that one because that was the most earth-shattering for me but you know I learned about the power of the blood of Jesus and I knew it for years before my husband was on board years and you pray about but I learned this I learned this in power and I said nothing can stand against the blood of Jesus you know there I all I know is that God says if I delight myself in him he will give me the desires and secret petitions of my heart he will give them to me by the blood of Jesus and I'm just standing in that and you pray on a thing and when God starts to change something he always starts with the roots he starts with the root system and you can't see what's going on in the roots you know you've got you've got an apple tree out there 
And long before an apple appears on that tree, you know, for months and months and months, stuff is going on in the roots that nobody can see. When we, when we plead the blood of Jesus over a situation, over a relationship, over our finances, over a job, over a fill-in-the-blank, we often don't see things immediately. And that's when faith comes in, and that's so often when people abandon it. Well, it didn't work. It didn't work. You know, it took years for that to work for me. You know, and I can't tell you, I do a lot of counseling, and I can't tell you how many people say, well, I did the right thing and it didn't work. Well, you did the right thing last week. You know, well, I pled the blood of Jesus. I prayed. Well, yeah, you did that. You got it. There's a root system. God constantly compares our lives and the kingdom of God and really everything involving our spiritual being to farmers, to planting, to harvest, to reaping, to sowing. To, and he's trying to say, he, he, he wants us to understand in nature, I start with the roots. Everything, every planting, every seed, every flower, every everything, every single one starts with a teeny seed. You can't see anything. There's, you know, you think about a seed, you know, that tiny. You know, I mean, sometimes I plant seeds are like microscopic. And then the weight of the dirt you put on top of it is like times a million times heavier than that seed. And that thing over time pushes through the earth. And you say, you see that is us, right? And that is our prayers, and that is pleading the blood over a situation. You can't see it for a long time, you know? But it says in the scripture that we are mighty oaks of righteousness, that we become mighty oaks of righteousness, that everything else finds its strength and its, its rest in, you know, animals and shade. And it uses all these analogies, but it starts with a tiny seed, and then there's a root system, and it develops a root system, and so when we're pleading the blood of Jesus over things, you know, he's going to deal with the roots first, and you're not going to see it, and you're going to have to trust it by faith, and you're going to have to wait, and you're going to have to keep doing the right thing over and over and over again, um, and, and believing that there is power at work in your financial situation, in the job, in the career, in the, in the you know, if fill it in, in health. And I can tell you, like, every, God has given me the great joy and pleasure to have gone through every single one of these trials. There's not one that I list that I haven't gone through or am not currently going through. And I know for a fact that you walk in peace through them once you believe this, once it's become part of you, you walk through this, and there is peace. And that, and that, you have peace because you have faith in the power of the blood, and that goes to work on the root system of the situation. And then you wait. And then you wait. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They get stronger while they wait. They rise up with wings like eagles. They run and don't grow weary. They walk and don't grow faint. As we wait, because we know the power. But if you're just waiting for waiting sake, if you don't know, if your faith isn't in the power of the blood, if you're not aware of this power that now you're in the presence of God, then you're just waiting to survive. It's a survival tactic, right? We just wait because that's the only way we know how to survive. You're in survival mode instead of power mode. And the whole turning point of how we're waiting is understanding the power of the blood. So peace. So God gives us peace. So here it says, John 14, 27. Jesus, this is Jesus talking. Peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give to you. You have to ask yourself, am I living this way? Because if you're not, it's a very easy tweak. 
It's going back to the power of the blood. It's a very easy thing to change. Peace I leave with you. His peace. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. 100% it's your job. If you can't even say, Jesus, help me not to let my heart be troubled. 100%, it's all on me. It's all on you. It's all on us. He's like, it's your job. I'll give you the peace. You have one little tiny job. Do not let your heart be troubled. You choose it. You make the decision. It's yours to make. I'll give you the peace, but you have to take control over your own heart. You know, in our society, we like to be victims to everything, and nothing is our responsibility, and nothing is our fault, and we can't help it, and blah, 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 blah. And Jesus is like, yeah, I don't go that way. I mean, that, does, that is so counter to everything in Scripture. Um, but in Scripture, you're responsible for your own heart. So you make a decision. Nobody can make it for you. You know, nobody can make this decision for you to be peaceful. Only you can. You. Don't let your heart be troubled. It says stop allowing your heart to be troubled, agitated, and disturbed. Don't let it in. Don't believe it. It's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie. It's a demonic illusion that something has power over you that you have to be disturbed, upset, wounded, beat down about. Now, listen, I have not mastered this. I have my moments, but, man, I come out of them so much faster. I, you know, you start to feel the weight. You just turn the news on for a minute, and all of a sudden, you are fearful for your child. You think, Why did, what, what have I done to my child by bringing her into this world? Like, who, how irresponsible am I? You know, you just watch the news for a minute. And then I say, I just did this the other day. We were just um, up at the mountains with my uh, husband's sister, and you know, we were in the hotel, and there was a 2020, and this girl, you know, sick, beautiful 16-year-old girl got shot by a boyfriend, and, you know, blah, 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 it's this new thing, and, you know, I went to bed, I'm staring at the ceiling, don't let her ever date anybody, there will be no boys, you know, blah, 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 I'm like, you know, freaking out, and, you know, he shot her through the outside wall, you know, so I'm like, well, we could armor plate it, so no bullets could go through the house, you know, and you're just like, you know, you start to lose your mind, and then I, I thought of the scripture, Stephanie, now is this from the Lord? Do not let your heart be troubled. I don't know if they knew the power of the blood of Jesus. I don't know if they lived in that. But I am not allowed to let my heart be troubled or disturbed or agitated. It says, nor let it be afraid. Do not permit yourself to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly, and unsettled. It's just like, stop it. Snap out of it. You have to live bold. You have to live fearful, fearless. You have to live confident. We are supposed to be confident, strong, bold, brave, outspoken women. We are not supposed to be little dried up wallflowers that are measly and, you know, mousy and just like, stop. Come in boldly. Come in confidently. Stop being a little scary cat, scampering around, being afraid to speak up, and being afraid to be true to who you really are. Each of us are so different. And, and we all try to act like each other and be each other. I, have, I love, you know, I have so many close friends, so many close girlfriends, and I love the fact that they are all so different. I call them my coloring blocks. And some are fuchsia, and some are black, and some are gray, and some are yellow, and, some are, and they're all so different. And I'm like, please don't try to conform to each other. It's so exciting and interesting and fun to be how different we all are. You know, but, but, but the, the pressure to be liked and conform and, you know, and he's just like, 
You, and then we're afraid to be rejected. That is the biggest trap, and I know I've talked about it a lot, so I'll try not to go there, although I'm going to go there later. But anyway, okay. Um, let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance. He's just waiting there to calm us. He's like, if you'll let me, I will, I will give you peace. I will calm you. I will comfort you. I will reassure you and give you courage and strength for every challenge. He's not saying he's going to make the stuff go away. We're going to have to have courage. We're going to have to have strength. He's not saying that we don't, that he makes it all easy. He's just saying, I'm going to make you so strong and so brave and such a force to be reckoned with that when the gates of hell see the power of the blood of Jesus in you, that you cannot be stopped. It says, come to me all, Matthew 11:28. come to me all who are weary and heavily burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace. In this context, he was talking about the, the heaviness of religion. There's so many religious rituals that make you worn down, earning it. You know, and he's like, come to me. I will give you peace. That stuff wears you out. Uh, he says, my yoke is easy. My, I, I am light. If it's heavy on you, then it's not me because that's not how I operate. You know, I remove the burden. It says, Isaiah 26, 3 through 4, you will keep in perfect and constant peace. Think about that one, perfect and constant peace. The one whose mind is steadfast, that is committed and focused on you in both inclination and character, because she trusts and takes refuge in you. Trust confidently, there it is again, in the Lord forever. He is your fortress. He is your shield. He is your banner. For the Lord is an everlasting rock. He makes us stable. He makes us steady. He makes us, you know, instead of being up and down, I mean, we all, we've all had those friends. We've probably all been that person. You know, it's exhausting. That type of person in your life is exhausting, right? Up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Whatever way, the wind is blowing, the whatever. You know, he's a rock. He makes us a rock. We live consistently. We are not all over the place. We are consistent because we live in peace. What brings the consistency? Peace. And what brings the peace? The blood of Jesus. You know, it's all this trickle down. And, but you have to get back to the, the thing. I mean, the whole, the piece that I started, I read, it says it comes by the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. All of this is only provided because of the blood. Outside of the provision of the blood, there is no peace. Um, so when I plead the blood of Jesus, I absolutely expect a miracle. I absolutely expect the situation to change. I don't know how long it's going to take. You know, I've asked God for things, and he's left me in them. And he's left me in them for a long time. But I can tell you, when I got out of them, I saw how much he changed me, and I understood why he left me in them. You know, when, so there's a reason. If we plead the blood over a situation, and we truly have faith in it, if it doesn't change for a season, we're going to know why. The reason why is because he's doing something more important in you, not somewhere out there in the world, in you. He's like, wait, because it's coming. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time, but I've got to do something here first. 
But, you know, we know that because of the blood of Jesus, we have healing, we have provision, we have miracles. We, you know, we're free from everything. There's nothing, there's nothing that we can't be freed from. Every single thing that we surrender to him by the blood of Jesus is removed from us. You know, we have a prevalent, and I think I mentioned this last week, but it's just, it, it's upsetting to me because we have a prevalent problem in Reagan's Christian school, and Lisa and I have talked about it, but these kids, are, some of them are highly depressed. Uh, even suicidal, and I'm like, they do not know the power of the blood. Because if you know the power of the blood, you do not, but, you know, and here's the, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to go, okay, let me just keep going, because I'm about to start into my next point. I just want to finish this. So because of the blood, we claim every promise in the scripture. Every single promise is ours. There's not a qualifier outside the blood. Now, when you are walking in that place, you can't, um, he changes you. You don't stay in your stuff. You will never stay the same. You, you know, it says that you know something by its fruit. You know a person. He says you know a person um, if they really are a child of God because their life changes. You cannot stay the same. But when your life changes, you know, you, every promise is available to you. So, you know, you go in boldly and confidently to the Father, and you say, Father, by the blood of Jesus, I need wisdom right here, right now, for this chandelier. I mean, seriously, I pray over everything. She's just been making a bunch of decisions. But, I mean, I pray over everything. Nothing is too small for him. He knows the hairs on our head. He cares about every detail. I need the blood of Jesus. Should I get this one or not? Is this the right thing? You know, and I, it, yeah. No, the chandelier is gorgeous. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I plead the blood. That's my promise. I've got it. You know, uh, you know I receive the Holy Spirit and victory by the blood of Jesus. You know, I claim it says, not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord God Almighty. That's how the victory is won. I plead the blood of Jesus. I claim the victory and the power of the Holy Spirit in this situation by the blood of Jesus. You know, a healed body. We all know this. I plead the blood of Jesus for my healing, my mental healing, my emotional healing. The things I do to sabotage and self-destroy were healed from our own self-destructive behavior. You know, it says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Those are the self-destructive things that we do that destroy our lives. By his wounds, you have been healed. You know, every single thing that we need, whatever the problem is, whatever the circumstance is, whatever, whatever happens in our life, anything, a flat tire, Father, I need your help. I plead the blood of Jesus. I'm on the side of the road. Help me, Lord. I can't tell you. I mean, how, since I have understood this in the powerful way he meant for us to live, I mean, I play it. I, you know, the, the, these two are in, these three are in spirit arising. And they hear me all the time. I start on situations all the time, and I say, I plead the blood of Jesus over this. You know, people might wonder why I say that. I've had people ask me, and I'm like, well, I'm glad you asked. I've got 45 pages of notes. How much time do you have? You know, because it's power. There's power in our words, you know. So it says, he makes all things new. What is that? Uh, Revelation 21.5, he was seated on the throne I am, make every, I am making everything new. That's Jesus talking. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. 
I prayed that over my marriage all the time. My soul was so wounded towards Dave. I'm like, I can't, I'm never going to be able to love him again. I mean, I love him. I cared about him as a person, but not as a wife, you know, and I'm like, that's dead, you know, and, and I read this scripture and it says, I make all things new. And this is a trustworthy and true saying. So I said, okay, you can make all things new. I plead the blood of Jesus. I started pleading the blood of Jesus over my own feelings. You know, I plead the blood of Jesus over. You know, our children, it says, train up a child in the way they should go, teaching him to seek God's wisdom and will. And then, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I plead, this promise is mine because of the blood of Jesus. I don't care what hell is coming against my kid. In this world, so many lies, so many inundations. There's traps everywhere for kids. I don't have to fear. I plead the blood of Jesus. I claim this scripture. Jesus paid for it. He paid for this promise to come true in my life. He paid for this. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. What is that? Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the rest will be added unto you. That's a scripture that says, why do you worry about what you wear? Why do you worry about what you're going to eat? Why do you worry about where you're going to live? I'm going to provide everything. Jehovah Jireh, he's my provider because of the blood of Jesus. I do not have to worry. I don't have to worry that, that I will live alone, grow old. That was one of my, my big freakouts with Dave because I, he's been so sick for so long. And I'm like, he, I'm going to give him all my pretty years. Then he's going to die when I'm old and ugly and no one's going to want me and I'm going to die alone. And I kid you not, it was a big one for me. That was a big one. I, he's my provider of relationships, not to be alone. You know, he's not just provi- he's provider of it all by the blood of Jesus. And this is my favorite. No evil can ever have power over me. There is no evil. I can't tell you the evil I've gone up against. The evil I have gone up against. And I can tell you, I have, I, I have never felt fear. Because the word of God says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to go overcome all the power of the evil one, the enemy, and nothing will harm you. You see evil in people every day. I, I don't know if I told you guys the story, but um, I was in Hawaii with Dave and Reagan, and we had just gotten there. And I, um, did, you know, I was in this time where there was not a moment in my life where I wasn't quoting scripture. I would quote it. I think I've told you guys maybe before. I kept three by five cards. I kept them with me. If I was, I mean, I was in a battle. If I was signing a receipt, I had a receipt. If I was on hold, I. There was never time I had to. I was, but it was joyful. It wasn't like a, wasn't like a wait. It was a, it was a relief. Just the word of God just gave me. So I'm walking through the grocery store. We just got into Hawaii. We're stocking up before we go, and I'm walking through the grocery store, and I'm saying this silently in my head. You know, I'm not saying it out loud, but I say it silently, and I'm just quoting, and I'm meditating, and I'm enjoying it, and I'm loving it, and I see a man look at me. And he was so filled with evil, and you know it when you see it. We all know evil when we see it, right? He was so filled with evil. He was standing in line, and I was way over here in, like, the bread aisle. And he whipped his head around. He knew it, too. He knew it, and I knew it. He whips his head around, and he stares at me. I mean, he is just staring me down like, I'm going to come over there and kill you. I kid you. And my blood went so cold. And I turned my head, and I ran tail back over to the refrigerator section, and I was shaking, and when I recovered, 
And I tried to tell Dave, but back then he thought he was a loon, so he was just like, hey, crazy girl, just get the bread, you know, like whatever, you know. But I was shaking, but I knew I had just, there had just been the showdown between something evil and something in me, and it knew and I knew. And, and I went home that night, and I said, Jesus, I already knew the, the revelation of the power of blood. I said, Jesus, forgive me. I will never turn tail and run. I will never shake in fear. I will run at it like David did with Goliath. In Jesus' name, never again. I felt you. I acted like it had power over me when you told me I have the power over it. Next time I'm going to walk right towards them. And I can tell you, since then, there have been so many times I have faced such evil. And I, I can tell you, I can, I'll have a flash. I mean, it comes over you for a second. And then I say, okay, bring it. You know, but for a second, you're, just, you're jarring. I hate evil. We're supposed to hate evil. But once you're jarred from it, you know, and I just, and you know, the, in, the, in, the, in the spirit realm, and I'm getting off on a rabbit trail, so I'm sorry. But in the spirit realm, it, it, there, things are done in thoughts. You don't speak out loud. Things are done in thoughts. So I sit there and I look at things. Because a lot of times you can't speak it. A lot of times that person isn't even fully aware of their being used. So I just sit there and I look at it and I say, Emma, I plead the blood of Jesus over you. I have authority over you. I will crush you in the name of Jesus Christ. I know what the blood of Jesus did. I will crush you. And I can't tell you how many times I've looked. And, and I, let me tell you something. Every time that person looks away, they can't take, they can't take it. They can't do this. They can't take it because that thing in them knows they've come up against somebody, something that knows the power of the blood. See, if Satan can keep us ignorant of the power, then he can have authority over us. He, it, he, who, he comes who he might kill, steal, and destroy, whom he may devour. He can never devour a blood-bought Christian. Never. He cannot. He cannot have your children. He cannot have your husband. He cannot have you if you know the power of the blood of Jesus. And I can tell you from my own personal having lived it, it only takes one. You know, when I started, my husband wasn't on board. Nobody was on board. Everybody thought I had lost it. And one by one and by one, every single person came in because it's undeniable once it comes. But they don't have to believe it. Just you have to believe it. But Satan wants you ignorant. You know, my people die for lack of knowledge. He wants you ignorant to this power. If he can keep you in the dark to how powerful you are because of the blood. Before the blood of Jesus, they did not have this power. This was not available. This did not exist. You, you better cower. You better, you had to go run, touch the altar or the whatever. You didn't have it. Now we have the Holy Spirit in us, and there's nothing, nothing. That, and, and Satan knows it's over. There is nothing that is scarier to him than a, than a child of God who knows this power. And, that, and, that's, and I pray that by the end of this session, and I'm trying to wrap it up, but by the end of this session, that each of you know your power by the blood of Jesus. That there's, not, there's nothing that happens in your life that you can't plead the blood of Jesus over and take power over and take authority and stand and wait. And sometimes you have to wait, but there's nothing. The, the scripture says, according to your faith, let it be done to you. Here's the difference. Hmm. I just heard a sermon recently, and I love this analogy. 
He says, so, okay, so here's the thing. I've said things that everybody knows, right? You know, you've heard, you've heard. I had heard, we've all heard. There's a difference. Okay, so there's, okay, so this is the hard part. This is the crux of what I'm trying to get to. Okay, many Christians are walking around resuscitated. So resuscitation, you, you are brought back, right? Let's say you die and you're brought back. So you didn't die, but you're, you come back exactly as you were. You don't come back, you come back, but you're alive. You're so thankful that you're alive. You didn't, it didn't kill you. You're a Christian who has survived. But you've just survived. You've been resuscitated. You know, what Jesus wants us to be are Christians who have been resurrected. The difference between resuscitation and resurrection, we have been resurrected. When you're resurrected, you have a new body, a new life, new power, new, you are powerful. And I think that what I had in my whole life was resuscitation up until the point where all of this was revealed to me. I lived, I survived. I'm a survivor. I'm so proud of myself because I survived. I'm a survivor. You know, and I mean, thank God we did. Thank God we survived, you know. But that God didn't want us, to, he didn't create us to live in a resuscitated state. He created us to live in a resurrected state. That's what he did as soon as his blood hit the earth, the people were resurrected. You know, and, and here's, here's, here's a hard scripture. It says, Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Now everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of the Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name, perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me. And here's, here's the hard part. What does he mean he never knew you? He says he knit you together in your mother's womb before the beginning of the world. That applies to everybody. He says, I know the hair on your head. That applies to everybody. So how does he say, I never knew you, when he knows everything about you, and that applies to everybody? And, and, so, he, and so here is, okay, here is the most important point. This is what I've been building on for all today and all the last time. This is the most important part of this thing. To go from believing to knowing. Okay, I never knew you. The intimacy of the Holy Spirit guiding your life, ordering your steps, everything you do, everything you say, everything you is ordered by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it says in James 2.19, you believe there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe and tremble. To believe that God exists, Literally here, he says, big deal. The demons believe I exist. Don't you remember when Jesus walked the earth? It was the demon-possessed people that would always speak up and say, you're the son of God, you're the son of God. And he'd be like, shut up. You know, it, so, it's, so, so you believe that I exist, so what? So people say, well, I believe in God. He's just like, so what? You've got to go from believing to this deep, powerful inner knowing that it affects every single facet of your, when you know, you know, when, when, when this became 
real to me in this way where it was, listen, I was a good Christian girl. I read my Bible for an hour every day. I prayed for an hour every day. I went to church. I was, I was a good Christian girl. I knew stuff. I knew this. But I went from believing to knowing. And I don't know how else to describe. I don't know what other terms to use. But believing, meaning the demons believe, to knowing, meaning I could face any evil. It didn't matter what was going on in my life. My peace was there. My power was there. I was not afraid. I did not live in guilt and condemnation. That switch that takes place. And how does that happen? It happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, that is the difference. So believing, and I don't know how to explain it except for the fact that believing means that there's space somewhere in your mind that there's an alternative outcome. You know, at one point I was like, man, I hope that I can have a happy marriage and that this could work out somehow. And I hope, I'm optimistic, I'm hopeful. That's not knowing. That's believing. There's space for this thing for it to fail, for God to fail me, for God to fail me. You know, so it, it, it's, it's putting all of your eggs, your emotional, spiritual eggs in God's basket. You know, Mark Twain said, put all your eggs in one basket and watch that basket closely. You know, and to put every egg you've got. So when I understood this power, and I've talked about this before, but it was a turning point. You know, I said, I said, God, you told me to stay. You told me to do this, that, whatever. I'm going to do every single thing you told me to do, you know. And, and that's not everybody's path, but it was mine. It's what he asked me to do. I knew the Holy Spirit had convicted me what I was supposed to do. So, and I said, I said, I'll do it because I'm going to put all my eggs in this basket. I'm going to put everything in this basket and I'm going to go from hoping that somehow, maybe, to saying God has promised me the desires and secret petitions of my heart. I don't know how long this is going to take, but I'm, it will take place. It will happen. And I have peace with it, and I have rest with it, and I don't know how long. And God's going to have to deal with that guy, and I'm not going to deal with him. I'm not going to say a word. I'm going to live the way God tells me to live, and I'm not fooling with that because that's not my problem. That's God's problem to deal with that. And you guys know the story. God came to Dave in a dream in the middle of communist China. I mean, you know, you can't, you can't figure out how it's all going to happen. You just know. But, I, you know, knowing is betting fully on God. You know, if you're at a, at a craps table, I don't, I don't know gambling, but whatever table, and you put all your chips in, and you put all your bet on that, all, there's no other betting on anything else. There's no other betting on, you know, your best friend to come through or the job to come through or that there's no other chips in the game. It's knowing that this is the whole game and there's nothing else. You know, I'm convinced, not optimistic. It's a fact now to me. It's not a hope. It's a fact. I, I've received it already. I've, I, I have zero question. This has become truth to me. Um, what happens is, all of our life, we have to rely on our natural functions, right? What we see, what we hear, what we feel, that's how we interact with the world. In the spirit realm, we are to rely on none of that. And this is why it gets, it's so hard to believe that the blood of Jesus 
lets us be in front of God. You know, I, I might not feel it. I might not get goosebumps. I might not feel something. You know, God doesn't rely on our feelings, and we shouldn't rely on our feelings. I can't see it. God doesn't rely on what we see. We don't rely on what we see. I can't hear it. You know, it, 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 so the, to, to transition, you have to move out of the physical realm, which you depend on for everything around you, and live in a realm that does not see, that does not hear, that does not feel. But you put all your eggs in that basket. Everything goes in there, and there's no other hope outside of that. That's your whole hope. But here it says, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 16, however, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived the amazing things God has prepared for those who love him. We can't even imagine how great it is when we, I can't, I'm telling you, back then when I was making those decisions, I couldn't imagine you guys sitting around this table. I couldn't imagine moving to North Carolina. I couldn't imagine this home and how God has made this a home and what God has done. And, you know, I, I couldn't have imagined it. I couldn't imagine God was going to come to Dave in a dream. And, you know, I couldn't have imagined how he's going to put the pieces together. But you can't, but at, at some point I said, I'm no longer going to rely on my sight. I'm no longer going to rely on my senses, how I feel. I'm not going to let my feelings dictate to me anymore. I will not let my feelings be my guide. It's very hard. Not what I, none of my physical senses. And when I can forfeit my physical senses, then I can operate in the power of this amazing plan that God has that we can't even imagine. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, able to do immeasurably more than all we imagine, I mean, you can't even ask that big, it says. You can't even imagine that big, it says. According to his power that is at work within us, he's at work within us right now as we plead the blood of Jesus, as we live in the power of the blood of Jesus, he's at work in us right now to fulfill something bigger than we are even asking, bigger than we can even imagine. And I started learning to ask big and imagine big. So I'm like, you're going to go bigger than that? Because I'm asking big and I'm, I, I didn't used to. I didn't used to ask or imagine. I just wanted to kind of get through to the next thing and, you know, what was right in front of me. But now he's like, it's even bigger than you ask or imagine. You know, it says, God has prepared these things for you. He says, it's already the things God has prepared. They have already been prepared for you. Already been. They are prepared. They're sitting there waiting. It's not something that we have to, like, manipulate and try to get and try to pull and tug and hope and plead. And It's there. It's there by the blood of Jesus. It was paid for. These are gifts that are waiting for us. You know, but it's a predicament to not depend on our natural senses. So we have to first move out of what we feel, what we think, what we see, what we hear, um, and move into a place um, that's big enough. You know, our hearts aren't big enough. You know, our hearts are not big enough to even know how to ask that big. We can't even, our imaginations, he says your imagination, as much as you can imagine, it's not big enough for what I've prepared for you. And so often we feel like I'm so small, I don't really matter, I feel invisible, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's the gates of hell talking right into your ear. You've got to plead the blood of Jesus up until the day you die. Your life is secure in your purpose until the day he takes you out. He will not take you out one minute before your purpose is done. If you are breathing, there's a reason if you are a blood-bought Christian of the blood of Jesus. 
You know, we live in power for all of our lives. He says, ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. I mean, he says, ask me. I will give you the nations. I mean, what he's saying is you can't even, you can't even, that's what the blood of Jesus did. He, he gave us access to all the power of the universe, of the almighty God. It is magnificent. And we have to operate as spiritual beings, not as natural beings. So we can't see it. We can't hear it. We can't imagine it. Um, but God uses the Holy Spirit to bypass our ability to see, to hear, to operate through the world. So that's, that's the next piece of this, and really the final piece of this, is that, you know, he wants to take us to something higher. And, and here's the hard part. As you start to go to a higher place, most likely, as wonderful as your circle of friends and people in your life are, they are not going to appreciate this. They are not going to see this. They probably aren't going to support this. I, you know, it, 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 God says the conversation of where they are, it's too low. I'm trying to take you to something that you can't even imagine, that's bigger than you can even, I, that's too low. So, you know, this, what I can tell you is that this path, it can be a pretty lonely path at the beginning. At the beginning, you don't stay there. But a lot of times, it starts out, it's just you and God. You know, your husband might think you're crazy. Your best friend might think you're crazy. I mean, that's the story of my life. Everybody thought I had, you know, and I was crazy. I was crazy. This was finally my, this was me coming into my sanity. I'm like, yes, I have been certifiable. Now, I, this, is, this ain't crazy. Now, this is, the, this is the real thing. But, you know, God wants to take you to a higher place. And you usually cannot take with you everything you've had with you. Um, it says here, you know, that things have to be revealed by the Spirit. Um, and so he bypasses our senses, and he bypasses the things that we've been focused on, the things that we've relied on, the things that have been our source of comfort, the things that have been our source of strength. The Holy Spirit bypasses that. It says, um, it says the Spirit, this is 1 Corinthians 2 again, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for he who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So here we have the Holy Spirit in us, who his whole mechanism, he lives in us, and his whole mechanism is to reveal to us the very thoughts of God. I mean, you guys are sitting here, I don't know your thoughts, you don't know my thoughts, we don't know each other's thoughts. And to, that God has such intimacy that he puts within us a mechanism so that we can hear and know his thoughts. It's unbelievable, you know, to, to believe that God has something that reveals the mind of God to us and that he renews our mind. Um, it says, but you may not get a lot of human support. And that is, you know, I feel like I, feel like I can't deliver this sermon without being fair, telling you the whole truth. You might lose a lot of people along the way and a lot of them may come back mine have but some might might not some didn't you know but the point is this is it, so let me just keep reading um what we have received is not the spirit of the world this is still first corinthians 2 but the spirit who is from god so that we may understand what god has freely given us in other words it's saying you have to have the holy spirit 
to reveal to you to go from believing to knowing. This is deep, I know, and I don't know if I'm saying it well, but it takes the power of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it's just going to be knowledge that you've collected. But it's something that you are optimistic about, but you don't know. You know, and so it takes the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the, the depth of this. And so it says, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given. You can only understand this through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Again, the Spirit is teaching this to you, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. This, you know, otherwise this is just more knowledge on a shelf. It is the power of the Holy Spirit coming in and making this something that you're not just, you know up here, but you don't really know. It says the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but consider them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Holy Spirit. So the people in your life, they're going to be like, that's crazy. That's crazy. You think you could stand off demons? You think you can, you know, plead the blood of Jesus over a situation and it's automatically taken care of? You think, you know, and we have to be okay with good people not supporting us. We have to be okay with good people not believing in us. We, you, you have to be okay. And, you know, last week I ended with talking about death to self. You know, all of the resurrection, and I talked about this, has, you have to be resurrected into this truth. It all, there is death with all of it. And, and I can tell you that so much of it is, um, you know, relational. It's a lot of relational stuff. God cleans out what has to be cleaned out. And, and you, you know, you think about Noah. I mean, you think about Job, you think about Joseph. All of them had a knowing that God had something for them beyond imagination. And each and every, Noah, I mean, everybody scoffed at him. It took him 100 years to build that ark. For 100 years, he stood in faith and believed. They had never had rain. How could they imagine that a flood? If you've never seen rain, you can't fathom a flood. You know, I mean, Job, all of his friends told him how wrong he was. But you know what? Noah would not bend. He said no. What you're saying is not true. I'm not bending. Uh, this is not the time for us to mold into what everybody else says. You can't, you can't live this. You've got to live in a knowing. You know, Job said, what you're saying about me is not true. And I won't receive it. You know, they kept saying, you're bad, you're wrong, you did this, you did that. And I, it amazes me because I am, I, I'm kind of too quick and I've learned the hard, I'm too quick to be like, okay, it's my fault, I'm sorry just get it over with, you know, like, I don't care, you know, and I've learned, Job is like, no, what you're saying is wrong, I won't participate, that's a lie, I didn't do anything wrong, and I'm not receiving that, and I reject that, he rejected that to the bitter end, and he was dead right, and God showed up and said to his friends, you guys are terrible, terrible friends, better hope Job prays for you, you know, I mean, Joseph, how, you know, here he is a slave, and then a prisoner, how is he going to rule the world? But God told him he would, and he did. It's impossible because you cannot imagine what God is going to do with you if you will believe and not let go of it and not conform. And there will be, when God gives you a vision, when God says, I'm going to do something through you, 
there will be massive amount of pressures to get you to give up on that, to say, nope, I'm, I'm nobody, I'm nothing, I'm not worth it, I'm not strong enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not this enough, I'm not that enough. And, you know, it all comes back to the blood of Jesus. Exactly. None of us are. It's not about us. We're not, this isn't a narcissistic face. We're supposed to take our eyes off of ourselves and put them squarely on the blood of Jesus and what he did and the strength and the power it gives us. So it says, this is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual reality. That the person without this Holy Spirit does not accept these things from the Spirit of God, but consider, did I read this? I didn't? Okay. I was like, did I read this right? But considers them foolishness. You're going to have to be okay with people thinking you're, this is, you're, you're a fool. And you're, you're going to have to have peace. Not be mad at them. Not be angry with them, but be like, not my circus, not my monkey. Not my problem. You know, I just, I know what I know what I know. And the word of God is true. And I, you can't take my peace. And you can't take my purpose. And you can't take my calling. And I don't care what you think. And I can tell you, I have had to do that over. And I'm just wondering if that ever ends. Maybe it doesn't. But over and 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 over again. And eventually, every single one of those people followed me on that path. I've been blessed. I mean, I, I have not lost a one, and I can't believe it. But it says, but it's foolishness to them, and they cannot understand because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. In other words, we, will know, we know what's right or wrong. We, we have the power to judge. But yet Satan wants us to receive the pressure from the world that their judgment matters to us. Their judgment shouldn't matter to us. We're not supposed to be judged by them. It says that we have judgment about all things because we judge according to the Spirit. But such a person is not subject to merely, merely human judgment. For who has known the mind of Christ so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. He's like, you have the mind of Christ. How can you be judged by that person? How can their judgment matter to you? How can you give that power? Why? Why, if you have the mind of Christ, are you giving that, that person any power over you? Or influence to get you to forfeit your peace, your purpose, your calling. Who cares if they think you're crazy when you bow your head in public and pray? You're honoring God. Who cares? You know, fill in the blank. Who cares if you post on Facebook and you say, I thank Jesus Christ my Lord, and people think you're a Bible banger or whatever. Yes. Yes and amen. So we have this conflict, and the first conflict is within ourselves, the spirit you know, having to forfeit what we hear, what we see, what we feel, because no mind, eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined. So the first conflict is our own, our spiritual conflict with operating out of, out of what we can perceive. And then our second conflict is with the world. And we're going we're gonna to have conflict with the world. We're going to have conflict with people. You know, people are in the flesh, and so they're going to fight us on these things. And we, and we have to be the leader, not the follower, which is, um, you know, and we have to be consistent over time. It says, Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Okay, so the enemy wants to wear you down, and it says if we don't grow weary in well-doing, we will reap if we don't give up. I love that scripture. We will reap. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. You know, when we're at our, we start our relationship with Christ at the end of our capacity. 
You know, that's the whole point. We start with a deficit that we could not pay. It was never about our capacity. From the very beginning, from the start of the relationship to the end of the relationship, it's about I don't have the capacity to do this. We never have the capacity to do it. To do it. It's never about our capacity. It's about, you know, and, and here's the thing. I, I, you know, God may allow these giants into our lives just to prove himself faithful. You know, God allowed Goliath. God raised Goliath up just to prove himself faithful to David and to let David be a hero. You know, these things come against us. We never know what is coming against us, you know, so that we can fulfill the purpose and the call of God on our lives. So when the things come against us, we plead the blood of Jesus over it. We don't grow weary in well-doing. And, you know, the Lord, at the end of the time, at the end of the age, it says he will pour out his spirit on us that we will see the power of God in ways we've never seen before, that the end of the age there will be a, a remnant of those who are faithful and the, the power of God that comes over them. And i got to tell you, that power does not come from people who are normal. You can't be normal and operate in that power. You can't be, you know, go along with the flow and everybody else. That doesn't, you know, he says, he says, I'm looking for the underdog. Because he said, the last will be first. I want to make the last one first. You know, he's, he's looking for the impossible situation because that gives him the glory when we plead the blood of Jesus over the impossible. You know, he says, I will make you the head and not the tail. He's going to write. When we're tails and we're supposed to be heads, he's like, I'm going to write that thing. You plead the blood of Jesus over it. You know, it's time for you to stop. You know, the tail is what gets wagged all around. You're drug all over the place. He's like, no, you're supposed to be the head. You're supposed to be the one making the decision. You're supposed to be the one that is the leader, not the follower. You know, he makes us the head, the top. Um, and, and so that is going to happen in these end times as, as he pours out his spirit on us. You know, it, it says he will do this through the church. The church are the, the, the interpretation, the Greek interpretation for the church are the called out ones. There's a few who are called out to live in power, to live in purpose, to live you know, not the normal existence, to not need the stamp of a, the rubber stamp of approval that the world gives on everybody who's like them. You know, and that is what's required of us, to be bold, to be confident, you know, to be strong. Um, and all of this is accomplished through the blood of Jesus. None of this. We have to go from believing to knowing that we know that we know, that we know, that we're powerful, that we're purposeful, that we are called out, that there is a reason that we're here because of the blood of Jesus and whatever we're doing, it, he is ordering our steps as we call on his name. You know, all of this, nothing, nothing, nothing is accomplished without the blood. He makes us the leaders. He makes us, you know, the head and not the tail. You know, he, he makes us be the ones that, 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 you know, we're nothing, but we're everything in him. So, and all of that is the blood of Jesus. So until we have that revelation and we don't live another second of our lives under guilt or condemnation or fear or lack of peace or, you know, not, all of that is accomplished through the blood. And by applying the blood, you know, by speaking it to our situation. So, okay, let me say the prayer to close. Oh, Father God, thank you, God, for the blood of Jesus. Lord God, it changed 
everything, Father God. It changes everything, God. And Lord God, we just, I just want to go out into the world and pass on what I know, Father God. Lord, I see people all the time and I see them in their misery and I think if I could just let you know what I know, you would know you don't have to live another moment like this. That the power is available because of what Jesus did on the cross. It defeats every foe and everything that would come against us. Lord, everything is defeated by the blood, Father God. Lord God, I just pray, God, that we, Lord, that we live in this power, God. That there's not another moment for as long as we live, Father God, that we don't live in this power, Father God. Lord, that we don't, we're not a believer. Lord, the, the, the demons are believers. But that we know, that, we, that we, we've staked everything on what we know. And we cannot be moved, Father God. We cannot be shaken. We cannot become unstable. We cannot go up and down like the waves of the wind. Lord, but we are stable and steady and strong and confident and bold and clean before you. And we don't live shriveled up. And we don't live, live staring at our navel in, in shame and guilt. But, Father God, our eyes are lifted up. And we come into your presence, Father God, confident that whatever we ask for in prayer, believing we will receive it in your time and in your way and in your will, and it will be good. And if you don't give us what we ask for, it will be even better because we can't even imagine. Our eyes haven't seen. Our ears haven't heard. We cannot, our, our imaginations are not big enough. And you have the power, Father God. The power is yours to accomplish this. So, Father God, we wait with anticipation, God, for the greatness of what you have. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.